Before we get started today, I'd like to talk about our new Buy Me A Coffee memberships. Now you can offer one to five coffees to our staff every month, and that gets you exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind-the-scenes content, the ability to ask us questions directly, as well as a special shout-out here on our podcast. And today I want to thank our members on Buy Me A Coffee, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, and Anna Lund. And the list has been growing. Thank you all very, very much. You too could join them and support independent journalism. Just head to Buy Me A Coffee and subscribe. And starting next week, you can hear your name on Explaining Brazil. By the way, our podcast has now reached the landmark of 200 episodes. Thanks to your support and audience. And if you cannot support us on a monthly basis, you can still tip us a coffee to give us the energy we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America. Just head to buymeacoffee.com slash brazilianreport to find out more. Brazil is enduring an epidemic that is even more dangerous than the coronavirus and which has been around for a lot longer. Hunger. A maioria das pessoas não consegue mais fazer duas refeições por dia. According to a study published by think tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas last week, roughly 36% of Brazilians do not have enough money to eat three meals a day, which is above the global average of 35%. Não fossem as doações, oito em cada dez famílias não teriam como se alimentar. That rate sat at 17% in 2014. After the economic boom of the 2000s and the increase of social policies geared towards the poor, Brazil thought it was rid of this chronic problem. But it's reared its ugly head once more. After the two worst economic crises in the country's recorded history, Tens of millions of Brazilians are again haunted by the specter of hunger every day. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. Amanda Aldi, hello. Hi, Gustavo. Amanda, you spearheaded our recent special on Brazil's hunger crisis and coordinated work with reporters Lucas Berti, Caroline Coutinho, and designer André Chiavassa. And this story is your brainchild. I clearly remember it when you pitched it to us. Tell our listeners what motivated you to go in-depth on this subject. Well, since the pandemic started, we've clearly seen people's living conditions erode around Brazil. And we are not only talking about the extreme poor, it is affecting everyone. So when you go to the grocery store, the same amount of money you used a few months ago gets you much less food now. And then last year, we were all left shocked by a cover story by Rio de Janeiro newspaper outlet Extra. The paper showed photographs of a truck carrying discarded meat with families climbing inside to scrounge for scraps of bones and flesh. This was something we'd see on TV in the 90s, but I don't think we ever expected to see it again. Especially after the commodities boom in the 2000s, when Brazil's economy was doing well and in full employment. And I guess living in Brasilia also made me more aware of the problem, given how sharp the contrast is between the haves and the have-nots. 
What do you mean? The federal district made up of Brasilia and its surrounding cities is currently the most unequal part of the country. Well, in some parts, average income is comparable to countries in Western Europe. But others are as poor as some African nations, with as little as 1% of households having access to treated sewage. So, on the one hand, you have Lago Sul in Brasilia, that is home of nations of politicians, business owners, judges, people like that. The average yearly per capita income there is $17.2,000, that is 5.5 times higher than the national average. And that's higher than in Portugal. And then just 15 kilometers away, you have the neighborhood of Estrutural, where the average income is 1,400% lower. I mean, it's only $1,000 a year. That's less than the average in Zimbabwe. Wow, Jesus. Brasilia is also home to the country's largest favela in terms of area. São Nascente spans over 1,000 hectares and is just 35 kilometers from the seat of the Brazilian government. The community came about just 12 years ago, but latest estimates count roughly 100,000 people living there today. So, despite being so close to the source of all power in Brazil, the people of Sol Nascente only ever entered the city's palaces and listed buildings to perform low-paying jobs as maids, vendors or doormen. Right, and these contrasts in Brasilia are also the backbone of the story you wrote with Lucas Cadal and Andrea, right? Yes, exactly. So we talked to dozens of people for the story, and we focus on a few key characters that help us show the multiple faces of hunger in Brazil. So one of them was Ivania Souza. She is a 39-year-old mother, and she used to live on an illegal settlement just down the road from the presidential palace. And Amanda, what was so special about her story? Well, of course, she's just one of millions struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table. But what caught my eye was precisely where she lived. Almost every day, Ivania would come into contact with President Bolsonaro on his way to work. So Ivania would drop whatever she was doing, and along with other residents, she would run to the side of the road and display signs to the presidential motorcade. She was trying to alert Bolsonaro to their desperate situation. But as she told us, she is pretty sure the president never even looked at them once. And what happened to Ivania? Her campsite was dismantled in April last year, at one of the most critical points of the COVID pandemic in Brazil. Today, Ivania and her family live in a tiny home in Itapuã, about 20 minutes from the center of Brasilia. It's got low ceilings, no windows, and turns into an oven during the day, with the heat of the sun in Brasilia. The kitchen is so dark that she needs to keep a light on constantly, even in the middle of the day. To give you an idea of the conditions, two of her children sleep on an old mattress beside the fridge. And does Ivania work? I mean, how does she get by? She used to work as a way speaker, but she had to stop because of health problems. 
She is obese, suffers from spinal problems, depression, anxiety, and she's recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, wow. And I mean, you can even begin to imagine how much stress that must put on a person. Yeah, exactly. And her only source of income is a federal aid program, which pays 400 reais a month. That is around $86. But that's not even enough to cover her rent. And she has kids to take care of. So every month, she relies on donations of money, food, clothes, and other items, basically to keep her and her family going. And the problem is, maybe you get enough donations one month, but not the next. You never really know, so the uncertainty is just crippling. Já aconteceu de você ir daqui na sua família passarem um dia sem comer, ou sei lá, metade do dia, alguma coisa? Já. Já aconteceu. Várias vezes, não só foi uma, a ocupação foi várias vezes. Now, you mentioned that Ivania suffers from obesity. This is a kind of new phenomenon of hunger worldwide, right? We have seen governments cite rising obesity levels to say that they have tackled hunger. That's not the way it works, is it? No, not at all. You see, poor people in Brazil usually only have access to ultra-processed foods because they are cheaper. So that means that besides not having enough to eat, what they do eat is loaded with sodium, sugar, and saturated fats. So now, instead of those skeleton figures we used to see related to hunger, we see obese bodies, which are just as malnourished. And that problem isn't going to improve anytime soon, is it? I mean, food inflation in Brazil is rampant, making it even harder for the population to access decent products. Yeah, that's true. So according to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, food prices around the world rose by an average of 28% last year, the highest spike in a decade. In places like Brasilia, the price of a basic basket of necessities has hit over half of the minimum wage. And meat consumption in Brazil is going down, even among middle-class families. And beef consumption is often a reliable gauge of Brazil's economic activity. In recent years, millions of families swapped out beef for chicken. And then even chicken became too expensive, which made eggs the protein of choice. To put that into perspective, the price of a kilo of beef in Brazil has tripled over the past decade. Meanwhile, a study showed that average individual income in Brazil fell by 9% during the COVID crisis and 21% for the poorest segment of the population. So as you mentioned, Ivania was only one of the poignant stories you featured in this special. How wide did the reporting go? Well, to make sure we got a broad view of the hunger crisis nationwide, we sent Lucas Berti to the town of Mogi das Cruzes on the outskirts of São Paulo. And Carol Coutinho covered the situation in the poor neighborhoods of Maceió, the capital of northeastern state Alagoas. And to be frank, we found similar stories in all of these places, of families struggling to scrape together enough money to eat, and community projects coming together to try and help during these desperate times. And we wanted to tell the story of family farmers around Brazil as well, because that's where the country gets 70% of its food. 
And the sad irony is that while the government is celebrating breaking records with grain harvests, these families are among the most at risk in the country. So three out of four Brazilian families suffering from food insecurity live in farming areas. As listeners have probably realized by now, this was a huge reporting effort and the end product is really astonishing. Uh, I congratulate Amanda, Lucas, Carolini and André and I urge everyone listening to this podcast to head to the Brazilian Report and read the full article. There's no paywall and we have versions in English and Portuguese, both of which we have linked in the show notes. Amanda, thank you very much. And once again, congratulations for a superb job. Thanks, Gustavo. If you like Explaining Brazil, please drop us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second and it will help more people to find out about this show. Or you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind the podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the website for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. If you are already a subscriber, then you can give us some extra support by filling up our coffee mugs with donations on Buy Me A Coffee. We have membership programs with exclusive perks like behind-the-scenes content, <laughs> you get to see how the sausage is made, and exclusive newsletters. Buy Me A Coffee members, for instance, will get this week a special podcast about explaining Brazil's podcast journey to 200 episodes. You get to see what it takes to get our new topical original episode every week. So go to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.